Welcome to How We Win, the official podcast of The Persistence. 82 days until the most important election of our lives. Action is the best antidote for anxiety, and we can all make a difference right now. Today, I am joined by the always fun Frangela duo to talk about Trump's incredible and not surprising allegations of actual espionage and the Democrats' historic week of wins. Then joining me for our interview is a dynamic Latina woman on the front lines in the fight to save our democracy, Texas District 15 candidate for Congress, Michelle Vallejo. I'm Steve Pearson, and this is How We Win. I am so excited, everybody. The live show, How We Win Live, is happening this Monday night, August 22nd, in Los Angeles to benefit the How We Win Fund. We've been working hard putting this thing together and uh, to help us celebrate and talk about the news of the day and give you a taste of what to expect is the Frangela duo. They are here with me, Francis and Angela. Welcome. Thank you so much for having us, Steve. Thank you. Yay. So uh, for people who aren't familiar with the Frangela experience, what can they expect Monday night? Well, we are going to do a special, special show uh, for, uh, on Monday. We're going to do a professional Idiot of the Week. Now, there are people who <laughs> know and love our Idiot of the Week. We take mm-hmm. regular criminals and what have you, but we're gonna we're gonna go after the pro professionals wow. in Congress, yes. in Congress, and in government, or who have recently left the government. Yeah, uh, and maybe joining a penal facility soon. Who knows? The <laughs> point is that normally we don't have politicians in any of the week because it doesn't seem fair. You know, yeah. it's like having and how do you, you know, NBA players? Right. Yeah. Like, exactly. That's all it would be every week. Right. Jim Jordan. I just can't say that name every day, all day. <laughs> so like, you have to move forward with some. So with that's what we're going to do. We're going to do some idiot um, discussion, exploration. Mm-hmm. It's it's a nice kitchen. counterbalance to what we do on this show where we do a hero of the week every every week. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's lovely. That's lovely. That is that's lovely. so positive. Right? That's so positive, that's so Steve. Ours <laughs> will not be. <laughs> no, it's not gonna be like that. It's not gonna be like that. You no, know, that it will not be that experience. We no, that will be very funny. <laughs> We need all the experiences right now. We are a big tent party, right? <laughs> we need yes. every we need everything. Um, so uh, let's not start with the idiots. Uh, let's start with the huge news right now, and that's Ooh. that our president Joe Biden just signed the Inflation Reduction Act. And, um, you know, another historic win, Democrats delivering, bringing groundbreaking climate legislation that has been sorely needed. But this is significant. How are you all feeling about the Inflation Reduction Act and what does it mean to you all? Steve, it's like a balm on my spirit. It really, truly is because of the fears uh, that I have harbored for not only my child, you know, I'm worried about my child's in her lifetime, what will happen to this planet, you know, 
because I'm death may take me at some point. Will you know what I mean? Yep. And she has to still be here. And it is important to me that she I mean, I, we are London was on fire. France yeah, right, was on fire. Yeah, right uh, now. <laughs> right now. Like, right now. Yeah. Like, and, and that's the thing that has frustrated me. And I, I'm not alone in this. Obviously, we all are. Um, about when we, even the way we talk about the environmental disaster, we don't even call it like global climate change. We call it climate destruction. You know. Mm. Um, and the reality is, we'll be lucky if these effects affect Abby's children. They're yeah. right now. Yeah. You know, like and 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 that that is the thing. It's sort of like all around us. I feel like this constant where are we fighting the battle we're actually in at the moment or do we think we're preparing for it? And so I mean, this legislation is really important and it's not everything. I know that, you know, um, but it is the biggest thing that's happened and it's really important and it does do a lot of important things. And, and can we just say this too? And yay to the heroes and the people who got it through because every time in my lifetime that in, in climate is very important to us, mm-hmm. uh, I have seen this shut down. Yeah, I've seen people say in government say, this is not important. And I am so glad that we have finally pierced the veil of ignorance, of understanding that we must live in harmony and treat this, uh, the, the, the rock we all live on. I don't care how, what, if you live in a multi-million dollar house or a shack or a hovel, we all on the same fucking rock. That's right. Actually, if you're on the hobble, you're probably in a better space right now. If you're in the multi-million dollar house, you're probably going to slide off that cliff into the ocean pretty soon. So Yes! <laughs> I don't know why these people think that they can get protected from the earth. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, like, and that is the thing. Your money cannot, will not protect the, the earth unless we do something about it and Democrats are doing it we have we're we are doing it yeah this is action in action well and and it just shows you know for anyone who was doubting the power of their vote and uh, and a lot of people who were complaining about how tough it was to get legislation passed um, earlier in the year even, or last year, um, and why do, you know we have such a tenuous majority in the Senate. Uh, man, that Georgia runoff election, that made a fucking difference. I mean, we, you know, you talk about how important this legislation is, and you talk about the existential threat that we are all facing. You know who doesn't seem to pay attention to it or care about it or uh, accept it? Are Republicans, because yeah. not a single Republican in the Senate, not a single Republican in the House of Representatives voted for this legislation. And it's Bang all, that drum. all Bang Democrats. that drum, Steve. Bang it all day long. Bang it over and over again. That's right. They didn't vote for it. And they never will because they don't care about you. you they, here's the thing. When they sit there on Fox all day long and sit there and say, because the FBI went in and went and and got the papers that belong to the people back from that from Donald Trump right. they could do this to you but what they what we do not stress is what they're not doing for you 
Right. What you know, they all they want to do is talk about what can happen to you, what can happen to you, but they're never ever talking about what they can do for you. They want to bring up the fear, but they will not talk about what we can do. What do you need? I want you to be mad because what they did to Donald Trump, but don't get angry for you in your life. Well, I want to talk about uh, what's going on with Trump, of course, because we're not going to gloss over the former guy, you know, being investigated for violating the Espionage Act. But before we do that, we always like to uh, talk about the news in relation to what can our listeners actually do about it or what's their role to play in it. So first, when it comes to the Inflation Reduction Act, um, what you just said is what we all need to be doing. We all need to be banging the drum. And especially yep. when the Republicans who did not vote for it start going back to their districts and talking to seniors about how now their, uh, their caps are limited and they're only going to be paying $2,000 a year on, um, on medicine and how companies are finally having to pay, pay their fair share of taxes. When they start touting this in their districts, we need to be banging the drum that not a single Republican voted for this. It was all Democrats that did this. And this is our That's job right. is to use our voices right now and, and celebrate, celebrate this moment. It's getting drowned out for good reason, because oh, there is some is. salacious, yeah. You know, a compelling news right now that we've all been waiting for, uh, but it's but that is drowning out this incredible, incredible historic legislation. No, and the the media in particular. I was trying to listen to watch the news today, and literally, I watched um, was it Jose Diaz? He basically was like, "It's like you know, and the gas prices are down; they're going down, but food prices are up." And it was like <laughs> off to the races. Yeah. And I'm like, you know. I'm just sick of their bullshit. Like the reality is this man in two years, President Biden has done more. I believe he will go down in history as one of our greatest presidents. Yes. He has done more in two years with less and under more duress, not besides the pandemic, besides global, multiple global, you know, climate disasters right. and in this country and a war in ukraine war in ukraine getting out of afghanistan he has to deal with an insurrection mm -hmm. that is ongoing like all of that and still somehow this man is passing legislation on climate <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and on getting people's insulin to them in ex more, you know, more cheaply to get it that two thousand dollar cap is amazing yeah for yeah. people for for health care that is going to save families that is going to save people and and do not let if we can't if our media is not going to do their job and report these things in your apps then that is our job you know and we have to make sure we tell everybody and we get excited about it and we show everybody on our when you're tweeting your cute picture your dog put in there and guess what <laughs> <laughs> you know his insulin costs this much money you know whatever I, like get it out there i, I agree with you angela and to your point Democrats, especially those of us who have families who may be conservative, who are in the GOP, this is your moment when you go back home for Thanksgiving and Christmas. You can talk about this legislation. You can talk about what actually is being done for the benefit for not just Democrats, not just the uh, Democrat base. Right. For everybody. But for all Americans. That's right. 
because that is what democracy is for everyone. Yep. You know, that's one of the things that the, the, the things I found the most sort of weirdly distressing about the Trump legacy and, and him being out this idea of red state, blue state. Mm-hmm. This idea of, oh, it's the blue states where people are suffering, not the red states. Oh, I'm just going to do something for the red states, not for the blue. Like, it, it was such, I, I, I've never heard any politician in my lifetime do that. Like, take the country and really pre, pre-game out a civil war. Like, literally say, you know, yeah. that we don't all have the same interests and we only want to do things that help the people in uh, who have our same interests. And we don't want to do things that are going to help people who don't have our same interests. Like, that is, I was blown, I've been blown away by it. And, and, and I feel like it's one of those things that's just sort of like got lost in the shuffle of all of the outrages. So much. You know, and all yeah. of the like. You know, there's so many things to point out, you know, um, but I, I look now and I'm like, wow, that just sort of got like, it's OK to say. Yeah, I remember him uh, punishing California, trying, you know, uh, and 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 especially bring, bring it, especially around. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Especially around uh, the coronavirus when that first happened and mm-hmm. where resources were going. It, it, it was yeah. uh, stunning and horrific. And. Uh, he is a stunningly horrific figure who is now being investigated for violating the Espionage Act. Um, why, like, all of the stuff, I mean, everyone's heard about this, everyone's been watching, it's hard to look away, and we shouldn't look away. Why did he have top-secret docs at his place in Mar-a-Lago now that he's no longer the president? The right. only thing I can think of, which seems crazy to say this out loud because it's from a bad B-movie plot, but it's the world that we're living in, is he's selling fucking secrets. Well, there yes. you go. Right? You yeah. see, you said the quiet thing loud, Steve. <laughs> because at the, and what I want to remind us all at every turn is that Donald Trump is one of those people who does his dirt out in the open. Yeah. And he will, he will, as soon as he's snatching something, he's like, look at me snatch it. He, that is exactly what he does. He tells on himself immediately and says, and then says, I meant to do it. Yeah. And I also, I'm, I've seen one person, it's start to bring it up, but my, the thing that's been, that I've been really needing people to start asking is, well, we all know, what I would bet every finger and toe I have on is that there's no damn way Donald Trump carried box one out of the White House. That's right. So what we need to ask ourselves is with the chain of custody on getting these 30, 40, however many boxes of material is out, how many people touched it? How many people had access to it? It's in a pool shed and in the basement of a facility that we all know multiple people have keys to those places because they get supplies and garbage out of there. Right. So this is my thing. How many, you know, Donald Trump didn't pull up in a car and start unloading boxes. A bunch of valets did that at Mar-a-Lago. And so we have right now, I guarantee you. And see, this is why they need Francis and I to be uh, in the uh, Justice Department or FBI. I think because so. Because right now what we'd be doing, I, see, you can feel it. Yeah. I'd be checking everybody who worked there's house because right, I guarantee you, people have taken things home out of those boxes. The yep. day have opened those boxes. That's I get, right. I know people. I know this. And they have, oh, this is funny. Look, it's a letter from um Kim Jong-un or whatever. <laughs> and they've got it stapled up on there. I guarantee you because Absolutely. these were not 
they weren't secured at all. I mean, they talk mm-hmm. about his safe, but what was in his safe was probably some porn and his passports or who cares. But <laughs> these boxes with our top secret information were in a pool shed in a basement. Yeah. That yeah. Won't, who knows how many, we have yet to hear how many people had access to it. And we damn well know he didn't carry any of it. And here's my so thing. You talk he can't about, carry his own ass. Right, right. When you talk about declassified, oh, he de, you know what? He woke up and he declassified everything. Okay. Seriously. Seriously, GOP. That's not how that works. With everybody and anybody sniffing around boxes in somebody's pool house? Yeah. State secrets? Do you know how hard it is to get on Hillary's private server? Do you have any idea how hard that is? I've been trying for years and I've had no luck. Exactly. Yeah. That is my point. (laughs) But a pool shed at Mar-a-Lago? Yeah. No. (laughs) I mean. When you run run low on the little umbrellas that they put in the drinks, that's where they keep them. So they've got the guy who gets the umbrellas also has access to those documents. Um, But, I mean, we can analyze, like, the reasoning behind this. But he's he is a grifter through and through. That is, is, you know, what has motivated everything that he has done. He has no shame. Uh, He's – I was going to say he's bad at it. You know, because it's so obvious, but he's not bad at it. He's really good at it because he's raising money on this and he's got people sending him money for his like defense fund on 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 this. So um, it's really it's really scary, like to your points. And we're and we're joking around about it a little bit. But, you know, who has accessed these docs? Who has seen That's, them? I'm, what I'm has, what has already been compromised? Um, All of it. You know, it's it's. Uh, it's stunning. It's once again unprecedented. And um, so, um, again, to shift to what can we do about it? Like, what's our role in this? Oh, my God. Like, we saw in the first news item how important it is to vote so that we can actually pass this transformative legislation. Mm-hmm. The second item if we do not hold on to the House in the midterms, we already know that Trump's enablers are going to flip the script on all of this. They are not yep. going to hold Trump accountable. In fact, they are going to try to prosecute the prosecutors. They're going to denigrate, further denigrate the FBI, the Justice Department, like the whole fabric that holds our democracy together. The yes. so-called party of law and order, these Republicans, are going to rip it to shreds. And, I, you know, it's not hyperbole. I've been saying this for the whole time. Every cycle we say it's the most important election of our lives. Um, yes. And it has been. Like the midterms last time were the most important election of our lives. Getting mm-hmm. Donald Trump out of office, that was the most important election of our lives. But right now, our very democracy hangs in the balance of this election. So our our yeah. job right now is to make sure we are volunteering. It's to make sure we are calling voters because this is existentially important. We, I know, I'm baby, 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 if you can hear the sound of my voice, <laughs> I know you tired. I'm tired with you. I understand. But the reality is, is that now that we are all awake, we are never going to be able to go back to that comfort zone of being asleep, 
of missing out on midterms and be- having some a little too much to do that day and missing out on that vote and then not really caring about what happened or not being involved with knowing who are our who's in our legislatures and not mm-hmm. you know and voting for them we don't we don't get until you talk about when you're talking about our solutions our solution is to be aware mm-hmm. is to be aware and vote and know who is representing us in every and what are their policies for you for me and get involved like figure out you know that's why swing left and act blue like it's such a great these are great places to go swing left especially in the national impact fund because this is a way for you to help the races that really need it not they all need it mm-hmm. everybody's pay attention to all of them but there are races that are really close or really tight or where those the democrats are going to they're facing an uphill battle and they need the funding and they need the they need the people on the ground they need the volunteers if you don't have money and you you got some time there is a place for you, you know, That's right. and, and we, we cannot. And here's the thing. And I, you know, I talked to somebody over the weekend who she considers herself a very progressive voter. And so therefore felt like there was no candidate out there that was progressive enough for her. And I was like, but is there one reactionary enough for you to vote? Like, I need you to ask yourself if you're looking at fascism versus not fascism and, and a really good not fascism, <laughs> yeah. like not just not fascism, like, changing healthcare, addressing climate change, all of these things that you care about imperfectly perhaps, but addressing them as best as they can in this environment. To me, we people have really got to adjust their gaze and understand this is not the election where we say, you know what, I really do want a third party. Because yeah. I do. I, Francis will tell you, I'm a big proponent of getting more parties. This is not that election. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, um, our our political system is deeply, deeply flawed. Um, but we are in such a uh, we are in such a situation right now that if we don't galvanize and come together as Democrats, then um, the people who are going to be adjusting the levers of democracy mm-hmm. or or not democracy are not the ones we want in power. Like you said, it's going to be yeah. all about fascism. Yeah. You wish it was a lever. They're going to pull out the system. They're going to stop elections. Like, yeah, we're, they're we're already trying to. That's right. That's right. And I'm not going to miss my handmade tail moment. I'm not going to be stuck up in here. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a great <laughs> like, point. It's a great point. This this very well could be the last election where your vote really counts. And yes. mm-hmm. and it's going to be tenuous at that in many states um, that have made voting more restrictive. They got um, rid of every black district in, in Texas. That's right. Now, here's the problem they have. We're going to vote, but no, right now, they are going to contest. The Republicans are going to test every single one of these elections. So voting isn't just going to be I vote and walk out the booth. OK, well, and it's done. We have got to make it clear that we've made our choice. And we know exactly the choice we've made. Well, you've you've segued perfectly into our to do list. You already said it. And you even teased our interview because we have hopefully soon to be Congresswoman Michelle Vallejo, who's running in Texas 15, the only competitive district in Texas uh, coming up in our interview. And she's got a really inspiring story. Um, so you talked about uh, donating to our fund, swingleft.org slash fundraise slash how we win. Thank you very much. Thank you to everyone that's already donated and everyone who's been uh, uh, pushing this fund out there. We have raised so far uh, just over $22,000. 
and oh. and we haven't even really gotten started yet. Um, I'm I'm gonna say it out loud. My goal is 50k. I'm, I'm I want to yes. raise fifty thousand dollars for this fund. I think we can really do that. I'll bet you we can do more. Um, I know we can do more. So so that's. I know we can. Yeah, yeah. So that's if you haven't donated yet, if you have, please share that once again, swingleft.org slash fundraise slash how we win. Um, the other thing is we've been hearing a whole lot about Liz Cheney's race. Like, is she going to lose her primary? Is she going to lose? I could give a shit about Liz Cheney. Thanks. There is a, a, a guy named Pat Ryan. He's running uh, in a special election. On August 23rd, that's this Tuesday, in New York's 19th Congressional District, this seat is necessary to protect our Democratic U.S. House majority. And um, what happened is Representative uh, uh, Antonio Delgado was appointed to lieutenant governor of New York, leaving that seat vacant. So now the, uh, veteran Pat Ryan is running to fill that seat. Uh, if we can turn out enough Democrats, that's a really winnable district. We cannot let it go to Republicans. We don't have the margins in the House to let that go. Um, and it's running it as, as a dead heat right now. If he wins the special election, then come November, he'll have the power of incumbency to hold on to that seat. So uh, there are ways to get involved in that race. Again, it's Tuesday. So you can volunteer, you can donate to his campaign, you can make phone calls for him right now. Uh, go to Pat ryanforcongress.com uh, I will have of course all of these links in the show notes but patryanforcongress.com there's something for you to do this weekend to make a difference in the midterms um, alright so you have I've taken up way too much of your time but uh, I can't let you go without sharing your reasons for hope I'll start out with mine just uh, so I can model good behavior here um, I uh, this weekend, I went to a, uh, a meeting in the Valley with a, a Swing Left group to go speak, and it gave me so much hope to be in someone's backyard at a meeting where they were um, writing letters and getting trained up on canvassing and getting ready to take action. Uh, it reminded me of <laughs> the, pr the before days when we could actually be together in the same room, that community that is so important, so important that we lean on each other, that we share this emotional load together, that we do this work together. It's so empowering. Uh, it gave me a lot of hope. So shout out to uh, Swing Left West Valley for the great work that you're doing. And I was so happy to be there over the weekend. Um, what about you all? What's bringing you hope? The thing that's bringing me hope real quick, uh, that's brought me hope is actually the FBI going into Donald Trump's home. Because what that said to me from the DOJ was, this man is not above the law. And I wasn't even expecting this situation. I, you know, I was, I was hopeful about New York. I was hope because I'm hopeful for justice. Um, and I was hopeful about New York. I was hopeful about Georgia. This is a new uh, hope springs eternal in t and for me mm -hmm. in terms of this FBI thing, because it does for me sit here because as a black person in this society, it is really hard for me to watch th that man get away with what he does. Yeah. And this lights my hope. 
Love that. Yeah, and I would say this, that watching the Biden administration knock out legislation, actually watching Congress do their job, which is to pass laws, not sit around and bitch about <laughs> things that, that, you know, things that they think might be happening to your this or your that, but they're a legislative body. They're supposed to be legislating. And they, you know, and we've allowed the Republicans to take up so much focus and for the media to talk about this, this agenda, the, the Biden agenda has been sidetracked. Well, no, here it is, you know, and, and I am, I'm, that has given me a lot of hope. I think that seeing people finally, I don't know what they said to Joe Manchin, but I like it. <laughs> and I'm glad it got said. And I'd like him to know I, I doubly sign on to it without even knowing what it was. And so that I, I'm glad to see that. And I'm glad to see us take seriously this idea of this is I'm watching people understand that this isn't just some party that you once you go and you vote D all the way down. This is your party. This is our party. We get to decide how we want it to be. We're a big tent because we want to be a big tent. But that don't mean we don't have to have good security. <laughs> Big Ten still has bouncers. <laughs> That's right. I'm just saying. So I'm 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 happy to I'm that actually really like watching the president sign these things and give the pen to a little kid or give the like I'm like oh that's warm in my heart the whole mm. you sign it everybody gets a pen thing it's just it's so nice to to actually see you know government. Yeah, it's a big day. It's a it's a really historic day that we find ourselves talking to each other, and um, and I'm glad we can celebrate it together. We will continue to celebrate on Monday night. Can't wait to see you all IRL, and it's going to be awesome. We're going to have so much fun. Yeah. Can't wait. I'm so excited. We're going to have a great time. Oh, my God. We're picking out our walking out music. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, Frangela, thanks for sitting in and uh, and for all that you do and for your great podcast. And uh, I will see you Monday night. See you Monday. See you. Now we're going to hear from an amazing candidate who is on the front lines to help save our democracy in the midterms, Michelle Vallejo. Michelle Vallejo is our candidate running for Congress in Texas District 15, a South Texas district that is one of the most competitive races in the country and will, of course, help determine who holds the House in the midterms. Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. It's so great to be here. I'm excited to share my story. I'm excited to share with uh, everyone really what's going on here in South Texas and in District 15 in particular. I want to hear all about that, and I want to start with your story because um, you come from a big family of farm workers and immigrants and entrepreneurs. For the last 25 years plus, your family has managed a marketplace, Polga Los Portales, um, that serves thousands of people weekly. But your background is as a community organizer. Um, how did you first get involved? What was your? Do you remember your first experience as a volunteer? Not necessarily. I think um, my experience of even community organizing starts at the flea market. My parents set a pretty good example of how to work with my family, how to work with our community members, and just get involved whenever there was something that we could do to improve the situation. Um, and 
I remember in school, I felt inclined to volunteer and I felt inclined to get involved in uh, student leadership and student council. And so it's just been something that is a part of my experience and the way that I live my life. Um, I can't necessarily think back to the first time I volunteered, but the yeah. images that come to mind right now are when, you know, I would help my, my teacher in class, even when I was in first grade. Um, I always <laughs> saw that there was more that we could do. And I just, I felt that calling since really young. Wow. Um, and then uh, you were recruited to run for Congress by Lupe Votes. Um, can you talk about that organization? And was it a hard decision to step up and, and run? You would also be one of the youngest serving members of Congress, too. So uh, a little bit of my, about my organizing and just work experience at the Pulga is that when I decided to come back because I studied at uh, Columbia University and there was an interruption in my education because unfortunately my mom passed away after battling multiple sclerosis for about 15 years hmm. and I made the decision to come back home and kind of pick up the reins a bit and, and manage things and lead our family business uh, with my dad and right around that time as well I could sense that there was this sense of fear that was starting to loom over our community and loom over South Texas. And this is when we also saw on the political you know, stage, the political national stage, that Mexican-Americans and immigrants were starting to get demonized by pretty much the radical right. Yeah. And this was something that we felt immediately. So at the property at Los Portales, um, people it's about a 25 acre property and we have hundreds of vendors who have, you know, their booths organized, but they also have vehicles, right? They have their cars parked right next to them. And so we have to make sure that our property is safe. And, and we also serve a lot of our elderly community members. So there's people in wheelchairs, mm -hmm. there's children, uh, people of all ages. And whenever someone's scared, they're going to react, they're going to respond. And sometimes people would say, you know, immigration is coming or, in Spanish, they would say la migra and people would get frightened. You know, this was a time when um, there was less trust in law enforcement because it started creating, you know, we started feeling this division within our community. Yeah. And that's when I sense, you know, my community needs to be seen, needs to be heard. And uh, Lupe, actually, or La Unión del Pueblo Entero, is a sister organization to the United Farm Workers Union. And okay. they actually have an office about a mile south of our flea market in Alton. And so I went and knocked on their doors and I said, hey, we serve a lot of the same community members. How could we work together to one, improve the situation where people feel more safe and they feel um, capable to speak up about what they need? And also how can we just like help each other? How can we advance, um, you know, across the board uh, areas where we could improve quality of life? That That's something that's always driven me. I've always thought that people, especially in, in my community, especially here in South Texas, deserve more. I feel like we've always been overlooked or we've always gotten the shorter end of the stick, whether it comes to educational funding, whether it comes to uh, economic opportunities and resources and even healthcare. You know, so many people here go to Mexico are forced to drive hours and hours out of our, our district, out of our region here to get just very basic healthcare. And so when I knock on their door, we started building a relationship and we started working together. We started putting together back to school fairs, health fairs, and just bringing out the community so that 
they could feel safe and they could feel cared for. Mm. And from those experiences, I think over the past few years and in particular when Trump was in office, you know, we got even more focused. We got even more focused in, in getting things done for our community and not letting that national rhetoric making it seem like we're evil to distract us. And really me running for Congress was due to kind of a domino effect when the new district lines came into play and our current sitting congressman was no longer going to be uh, someone who was going to be running for the seat. And we knew that it was up for the taking right. uh, for someone who is a pretty radical Republican, radical right wing person who really does not reflect um, our community or even I would say that the Republican party here locally because we've been able to connect with republicans and more conservative folks just talking about you know what we're experiencing and finding um commonality but also respecting each other and being able to have those conversations um and lupa in particular brought some commu community leaders and organizers together to nominate uh, and endorse a candidate that would be viable i ended up being one of the the candidates that was getting interviewed by a community board and you asked if this was a hard decision yeah. and when i found out that many people i admired had actually nominated me and people that i look up to i started taking it very seriously mm. and the first person i asked was my dad and i said dad you know there's this thing going on we we work very closely together and i knew that i would have to lean on him and and the people in my most immediate circle in order to make this jump and yeah. i told him my community is seeing this opportunity or this this calling for me that they're asking me to take. And I, I don't have that much experience. I'm a first time candidate. So maybe, you know, I told him I'll jump in and get involved in someone's campaign. And he told me, you know, Michelle, hold on. I think that your community sees you as a leader and as someone who could take on, you know, this torch. And I want you to give yourself a chance to do the same thing. And that's all it took. It just took my dad's full confidence behind me to say I'm all in. And since then, I haven't looked back once. I love a supportive dad. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a girl dad too, so uh, <laughs> I get that. And also, um, I'm so sorry about uh, what you had to walk through with your mom too. I, I, I know how hard that is um, to lose a parent. Um, so uh, thank you for stepping up and, and, and doing this. Um, today is the start of Latino Heritage Month, and uh, Latinos are just widely unrepresented, as you said, um, and uh, especially in elected office and in Congress. What would it mean to you personally to represent this community as a Latina woman? It's already feeling like the honor of a lifetime. I, I truly take on this role as a Democratic nominee um, and as someone fighting in the general election for this seat, as someone who's representing my community, and because of how competitive this seat is, mm -hmm. the only swing seat in Texas, so that's the most competitive in this state, and it's bumped us to being top five most competitive nationwide. Yeah. So I really do know that all eyes, if they're not turning to Texas 15 yet, they will be as we get closer and closer to November. And to me... If we have anything to do that, with it, we will be turning more eyes there because it's, woo, uh, it's such an important so. seat. Yeah. I, <laughs> Yep, that's the energy. That's what we're saying. Like, pay attention, jump on board, and help us make sure that we have the best representation for South Texas. Um, now that I am in this race and I'm running against 
my opponent, it's very, very clear to me that I'm the only person in this race that could speak uh, to the experiences, the unique needs that a lot of our community members have that have, like I said, just been ignored and overlooked. And quite frankly, so many people are living in the shadows because they don't know how to advocate for themselves and they don't have those channels to do so. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I mean, you talked a little bit about your district already. It is uh, rated an R plus one district. So um, super competitive. I believe it uh, because of redistricting, it's that, but it's been represented, or at least your area, by Democrats before. Is that correct? Um, yes. So Since the beginning of this seat, um, seat's creation, it's been represented by a Democrat in Congress. Right. But now it's a... Uh, uh, toss up or or lean Republican, depending on how you want to look at it, but just an R plus one. Um, tell us a little bit more about your district uh, and and what issues are resonating uh, with the community members there. You talked about it a little bit. Um, Democrats just passed the Inflation Reduction Act, have a bunch of other key legislative victories. Are are those resonating with uh, community members in your district is the how do we get the Democrats deliver message out to the people of South Texas? Um, so first of all, we need to make sure that those messages are being shared in ways that will get to the people of my district. Mm -hmm. So that means it needs to be in English and in Spanish. Right. And also, I would say if we mix it and there's a Tex-Mex version, that is exactly what's going to uh, be picked up by our community. You know, I think here in our region, we will listen to people who sound like us. We will listen to people who uh, we trust, understand our experience because we are upset when the National Party comes in and tries to tell us what to do when we know better. Um, and we know best what it is that we need. And that's what we're connecting with people on this campaign trail about more uh, more and more as, we, as we're connecting with more folks outside of just Democrats um, and people who've been supporting us since day one. Now we're really expanding to connect with folks, like I said, who are more conservative leaning or even traditional Republicans. Um, and their concern is one, yes, the cost of things. You know, They wanna make sure that they could afford um, bringing food to the table and that they'll still have a full gas of tank to be able to get to work the next day. Um, well, right now, under the pressures we're experiencing economically, this is something everyone's experiencing. I do want to shed light to the fact that here in South Texas, that's how people have been living for a long time. You know, or practically my entire life. As as soon as I, I became aware of, of really the standards that people were living in here in South Texas compared to other regions of the state and other regions of the country. And that has... I think, become apparent to more people in the district. And so we're asking for more. And they want to make sure that, yes, we're fighting the costs of, of goods and just groceries and making sure the cost of gas is affordable so people could get to their doctor's appointments and get to uh, the school when they're dropping off their kids and to work. Mm -hmm. And um, they're also concerned about access to health care. So right now in the state of Texas, um, we've now been experiencing a few months, almost a year of a post-Roe reality, because yeah. even before the Dobbs decision uh, here in South Texas, people were getting prosecuted. Um, women were getting prosecuted because they were seeking out medical attention for whatever they chose was best for them. And I will fundamentally and firmly stand to um, 
to that right, you know, a person's individual autonomy and their right to make the healthcare choices, however they see fit, whether that's with their physician, whether that is talking with other family members, or even talking to, you know, members in their faith and church communities. Uh, and I think we should, you know, all stand up to to make sure families have that dignity. Yeah. I agree 100%. You uh, touched on a very important point, and it's something that uh, that we talk about a lot on our show, and, and that's supporting the communities uh, and the community organizers in those communities as opposed to what you often see from campaigns where they swoop in and the national structure tries to dictate, here's what your messaging should be, here's how you're going to run your campaign and, and all that. When the people who actually live there on the ground and have been doing it you know, their whole lifetime or uh, since you were in fourth grade or <laughs> whatever you said, right, know, really know the community better. Um, we have a lot of volunteers and activists who listen to our show um, from all over the country. Uh, what's the best way for our volunteers to support the work that you're doing? Um, they they want to help. Uh, of course, they can donate and, um, and we're excited that you're part of our How We Win fund. But what are some other ways if they want to volunteer? How are they going to have the, the best impact on your campaign? That's one of my favorite questions. Um, about this campaign because we really have pretty much an open door policy for anyone who wants to help us nationwide. We have phone banks that are um, getting scheduled and organized and, you know, we could put more events on the calendar if there's a group of people who want to coordinate with themselves and it's, you know, they're neighbors or friends or people they uh, traditionally organize with um, to help us and we could you know, make sure that our team supports those efforts. And right now, the most helpful thing is, of course, donating to make sure that we have our field organizers fueled and um, all our wheels greased so that we don't stop knocking on those doors. We have a growing base of volunteers and we want to make sure that they have everything they need. So that's their scripts. That's if they need a, a dialer or, you know, just getting on Zoom and making sure that everyone has that access to be able to help us. Um, so donating, volunteering, and also spreading the word, you know, getting things out there, like sharing our tweets, repost, retweeting our, our message and sharing on social media also helps us uh, in a big way. Uh, we really, really are a grassroots effort. And I just want to shed a little bit of light on um, how this campaign came together other than just being nominated by my community. But the decisions that have been made um, along the way have also have deep roots um, in in our communities. So, so for example, we had a local artist do our campaign logo and work on our branding and our aesthetic. And that meant so much to me. And um, the sunflower actually that you might see in my campaign is deeply connected to my mom's legacy. Um, wow. That is something that my Bulga community knows and my family and everyone who I kind of grown up with understands like that's the connection. That's um, a way to honor my mom's memory. Um, another thing is that um, we bring in our our film crew and some of our local creative talent to help us with our messaging, to help us craft our, our, our ads. So it's so awesome, truly coming from an organizing background and a small business background working at the Pulga, uh, because all these relationships I've already had and I'm able to amplify them and, and we're able to actually have an impact on this campaign, which I would argue already drives, you know, what we're going to be able to do in Congress forward. I love that. 
And you're obviously a fighter. You fought through a tough primary campaign to get here. So um, uh, I think that while I'm sure it was a lot of hard, exhausting work, um, has really prepared you well because as a first-time candidate to have that experience of a really hard-fought primary campaign has has set you up well. I want to ask you one more question before I cut you loose. And this is the same question we ask all of our guests. What gives you hope for the future right now? Hmm. I, I have to give credit to the youth. Hmm. They are picking up the torch without any permission at all. They're not asking whether they could, um, you know, organize an event or organize a rally or come together with their friends to uh, put together a benefit show. Uh, and and they added, they have added so much energy to this campaign. And I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful that our youth feel um, included and feel invited. And we're letting them you know, take a lane and they own it. Like we have some very young organizers who are bringing together groups of volunteers and they run entire block walks on their own. I just show up, I support, I go block walking, but they're organizing uh, the entire event. And it's just so amazing because, you know, we're collecting data, we're collecting names and we're keeping track with these people. Mm -hmm. And it's just so beautiful to see that um, right now we have so many people in college and in high school that are really getting their hands involved in a congressional campaign and connecting with people um, at the national level and staying close to the people at the local level. Something that is so sweet is that there's uh, a few members in Congress who have become um, really close mentors to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, I want to um, give a shout out to Rep. Sylvia Garcia and Rep. Veronica Escobar, who have both come to uh, the district to help me campaign and and just raise some money as well. And they've already um, made uh, vows to come back, you know, and, and keep organizing with us. And seeing members of Congress and our college students coming together, rallying and and working together towards this campaign is something that to me is just invaluable. And it gives me a lot, a lot of hope and a lot of ganas to keep going. <laughs> I love that. Well, uh, what's, uh, can you remind everyone of your website? Yes, it's Michelle V Michelle for, I was about to say the Instagram handle, but it's Michelle <laughs> for spelled out F O R T X 15.com. Uh, and that's the number one and the number five, follow us on our social media channels as well. We are very active that handle across the board for all of our platforms is michelle v for tx and uh, i just look forward to connecting with y'all any way that y'all choose whether it's sending us an email reaching out through social media uh, or showing up at our headquarter office here in McAllen, texas that would be fun we will have that link in our show notes page too so people can learn more and donate and of course uh, michelle is part of our how we win fund because sending her to congress is how we win uh, thank you so much for spending the time. It was really nice to, to get a chance to hear your story. Yeah, thanks so much, Steve. It was so great connecting with you. And I'm so excited to connect with everyone who's, who'll be listening in. And hopefully um, y'all come join us in this race. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is how we win. We win when we all get involved. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at hello at howwewinpod.com or tweet to us at bluesboysteve, at mariah underscore craven, and at howwewinpod. 
Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or wherever it is that you get your pods. Share us with your friends and help us build this community of informed and active volunteers. This is How We Win. We'll be back with our live show next Wednesday. We'll see you then.